Hey, I'm Terry Molinero, and I believe that we as the body of Christ are here for such a time as this. I love to say this, blessed to be a blessing, that we are called to be a light. And look, friends, if we don't do it, if we aren't the light, who's going to be the light? The body of Christ has always been a house of action. And hey, who says we can't have some fun along the way? Terry, it's Ryan Seacrest. You're in broadcast. I'm trying to be in broadcast. There's something in common. Good luck to you at Seacrest House. This is the Church Hacks Podcast. So many of us want to change. I want to change certain areas of my own life. But when it comes down to actually doing it, whether this be like breaking a bad habit, getting out from um, around maybe the wrong friends or influences, the negative self-talk that dictates our minds, whatever it might be, let's be honest, change is very hard. I was thinking and I've been thinking about this subject for a while now, the power to change, what it really takes to change something like really, really not inspirational conversation type, but like actually bringing about change in a certain area. I kept coming back to this word inertia, inertia, not really the most of, uh, you know, the most common word, but here's the definition. So inertia, a tendency to do nothing or to remain unchanged. In physics, its definition is so a property of matter by which it continues in in its existing state of rest or uniform motion in a straight line unless that state is changed by an external force. I thought that was very interesting. A tendency to do nothing or to remain unchanged. It continues in its existing state of rest or uniform motion in a straight line. In other words, nothing changes. Day in and day out, task after task, week after week, unless that state is changed by an external force, something on the outside that comes into contact with it that causes change to happen. It causes it to happen. A third definition of inertia is resistance to change. You know, there was a word that was given to me many years ago. And uh, if you're new here and, you know, by word, I mean, um, you know, a word from God specifically that was given to me many years ago that really challenges my thinking. It has challenged me and continues to uh, be a challenging thing in my life. Here it is. So God said, Terry, you are set free from all captivity and bondage. Not you can be, not read my word four times a day and pray two hours and you will be, but you are set free from all captivity and bondage. This might be a challenging thing to hear for some, but if you are a believer Jesus died once and for all. He sent the Holy Spirit to be just as Jesus was on this earth, but with each and every one of us at all times to empower us. We have been given all that we need and have been set free. That's the truth. But then what are these chains that we feel around our lives? You know, what are the chains that we feel wrapped around our minds in the forms of habits, addictions, thoughts, reasonings that are not from God? I'm going to take a few moments outside of that conversation to talk about McDonald's. And this is not a sponsorship deal. Uh, Don't worry, it'll all make sense in a bit. So McDonald's is what's known as a franchise. What does that really mean? Well, practically, long story short, they have systems and procedures that are uniquely theirs so that you can go to a McDonald's in Ontario, Canada. Uh, You can go to one in, you know, Alabama, Sydney, Australia, whatever. And when you order a Big Mac, it'll taste the exact same. It'll look the same. Expectations will have been met. Can you imagine, though, if every single time someone ordered a Big Mac, they rung it up, kitchen staff had to, like, go find the beef. They had to, like, find the spices. They had to, like, try to perfect the formula, try to cut the fries by hand, like, every single time, you know, figure out how to synthesize the soft drinks. It wouldn't be possible 
So that's why they have their systems that are followed without question over and over and over again until I'm sure if we interviewed a few employees, they'd say, it's like second nature. You know, I grab the bun, then I grab the patty, then I grab the cheese. It all happens like clockwork. Now, back to what I was talking about earlier. I have a feeling that the enemy of our souls is in the franchise business. What do I mean? I think that if every single time a believer came along or a person came onto this earth and they had to start from scratch and figure out how to enslave them one by one, that wouldn't be an effective strategy. So instead, they've come up with a well-oiled system, a system of inertia. Instead of salt or seasoning in order to keep you doing nothing, in order to keep you inactive and inoperative, they sprinkle a little bit of fear in, maybe a little bit of doubt. And you start to go towards one side and then place some guilt over you, shame from your past in order to keep the assembly line just moving smoothly forward. See, when you were born again, in all actuality, that is game over for the enemy. He lost all power over you, but he doesn't want you to know that. The enemy doesn't want you to think for a second that you actually have been empowered by God. He definitely doesn't want you to succeed in spreading that power anywhere else. So he uses his formulas that have been perfected over the thousands of years since the Garden of Eden. Keep in mind, he's watched human evolution. He's watched people. He knows how to get people, right? Envy, strife, jealousy, gossip, lust, greed, all these things to keep you just stuck in the state of inertia. Let's revisit the second definition again. So a property of matter by which it continues in its existing state of rest unless that state is changed by an external force. Remember when I asked the question earlier, if the truth is that we have been set free from all captivity and bondage, why is it that we feel like there are chains wrapped around our minds and lives? Do you feel like that? You know that you're good. You know that you have so much to offer, are meant to be living life larger, bolder, stronger than you have been, but you feel like you're stuck on the assembly line of life, trapped by a, a little sprinkle of fear over here, a little bit of doubt over here. Oh, you're starting to overcome. Oh, we're going to sprinkle a bit of guilt. We're going to start to remind you about that addiction you used to struggle with. We're going to try to make a way for you to easily step into that. Do you think that that is by accident or do you think that is by design? Let's talk for a second. Do you think that when God said, hey, John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Do you think that when Jesus said, hey, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, it meant crippling anxiety? Do you think that he meant, hey, I've come to give you endless doubt, second guessing every single emotion because all the years of emotional abuse? Does that sound like the full life that Jesus came to die to give us? Or does that sound like the beginning of that verse? that the thief comes only to still kill and destroy. I know that you know that the answer is absolutely no. God did not come to give us all these things that people might be weighed down and struggling with. The question then becomes, why are we stuck in this state of inertia? And more importantly, how do we get out of it? Back to the definition again, continues in its existing state of rest. Wait for it. Unless, as in this is the exception, unless that state is changed by an external force. I get it. So we need to try harder. You know, I need to get up. I need to read my Bible early in the morning. I need to pray and just have faith and memorize scripture and change my friend groups. For goodness sake, can we stop being so immature for a second? Listen, I love you, but if you think that you can change the situation by your works alone, you are fooling yourself. Don't believe me? Well, why haven't you done it yet? If you could just change, why haven't you yet? To break out of a state of inertia, it requires an external force. And I love the spirit, though, that would want to try and do all these things and 
Like, I'm, I'm not mad at you or anything like that, but like, I'm tired of talk that leads to more talk instead of the Holy Spirit's wisdom that leads to actual life change. We need not just an external force, but the eternal force, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of power, the spirit of might to come into our situations. But how does that happen? Especially when we're caught in this cycle of doubt. We're caught in the cycle of fear, worry, stress. We're so busy with a million things that we just run around like a chicken with its head cut off. How are we supposed to bring about this change and allow the Holy Spirit in? Well, can I ask you, honestly, how does the enemy enter your life? Think for a second. Is it like some big, dramatic, like horror movie type thing with like, you know, head start spinning around, pea soup starting throwing up all over the place? No. Or is it like the little cracks? The opening of a few small doorways, maybe a thought, a thought that leads to a thought that leads to a feeling that leads to an action. Listen, I don't know if you want to be real or fake with me today, but it's the ones who want to be real that are going to get the freedom that they want. See, for me, the enemy knows that if he throws up something that is like blatantly wrong and evil and just like terrible, vile I'll turn away. I think human nature, like you ever hear about like a horrific thing on the news and you just go, oh, it's like sometimes you can't even watch stuff. But what about the insidious, seemingly innocent things that we've been convinced that we can handle? I know it might seem strange making the connection, but maybe we need to play the Uno reverse card for a second. Maybe we need to start allowing the light to crack the darkness of inertia that surrounds us and guides our weeks and our days. So how can we really practically do that? Well, my friends, It is the eternal matchless truth of the word of God that will destroy the lies and confusion of the enemy. Revelation 12 verse 11, it says, and they overcame him, not will overcome. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So first we have the blood of the lamb. In other words, the atonement that Jesus made as the final sacrifice. That means that as a believer, every sin that you have or will commit, not just have, but will is covered by the blood. Now, that's not a license to sin, but if the enemy comes to bring you guilt, to keep you living below the standard of heaven, you just stick out your hand and say, no, I rebuke you, you accuser of the brethren, for it was finished. You know, when Jesus died for me on the cross, you have no right or access to me. This is truly what it means to be set free from all captivity and bondage. Actually, check it out right from the Bible. So Revelation 12, this is like the second half of verse 10 into 11. It says, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphant over him. They triumph rather over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. But then after the blood, we read that we will overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony. Now, I don't know about you, but when I heard that, I always thought about like our personal testimonies. Like I was dead. I was in sin. You know, I was addicted to this. I was going through that. And this is how God delivered me. First, may I say we need to be sharing these things. We need to be getting excited and we need to be testifying how God stepped into our lives and brought us from darkness to light because that will witness and stir the hearts of the people around us. But let's look at the definition of testimony for a second. Number one, a formal written or spoken statement, especially one given in a court of law. Number two, evidence or proof provided by the existence or appearance of something. And number three, a public recounting of a religious conversation, uh, conversion rather, or experience. So there we see in the definition, it is sharing these things. But I think it's also declaring the truths, the matchless eternal truths to the enemy that are found in the word of God. I'll tell you, Uh, This will seem like such a foreign thing to you at first, which is exactly what the enemy wants. But let me share a personal story even. So it was a a little while ago. 
I get in my car. This woman came to my mind who lost her husband and I felt like I should bring her a drink. Just let her know, hey, like I'm praying for you. I, I care for you. And to be honest, like even her her daughter was going through a lot of stuff, too. And, you know, I just wanted to come alongside and say, hey, like you're not alone in this. So we get in the car and I start to drive over. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, and I don't know why I'm surprised anymore. I don't know why I'm even surprised, but fear just grips me out of nowhere. Panic out of nowhere just starts to grip me. Out of nowhere, I'm talking. I'm driving in my car. It's all good. And I'm starting to feel like sick. It's just like this feeling's coming over me. Then I remember, hey, use the word. So I'm literally, I yell out and I take authority over the enemy. You know, oh, no, no, you don't. Like I rebuke you fear and I command you to leave me because the word of God says in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, hey, I have not been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but one of power, love and of a sound mind. You have no right to me and I command you to leave me now in the name of Jesus. You will not prevent me from doing what I have been called by God to do. I do not operate in fear, but I operate in the power in the name of Jesus. Something like that, right? The fear all the feelings that came with it, including the feeling of sickness, instantly left because I overcame the evil one with the testimony of truth. See, Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God, the last piece, the sword of the spirit, the piece that is offensive, not defensive in nature, is the word of God. So why have we been going through battle after battle without using the only weapon that the Bible clearly states we have for winning the war in the spirit. Second Corinthians 10, four, it says, Hey, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We need to fight. We need to break out of the inertia, the franchise of the enemy, the assembly line. Can you just see it in your mind? Just try to keep them in line. Just try to keep them in line. Try to keep them in line. We can't defeat them. Let's confuse them. Let's keep them inoperative and inactive. We are set free though from all captivity and bondage. Remember that story of like the elephant when it was young, like a rope was tied around its leg and the other end to like a tree and the elephant would like pull and, and, and just, you know, hour after hour and night after night, just try to pull and break free, but couldn't break free until that rope broke him. Now the elephant, like there's pictures and stories, they're like grown. These huge animals, thousands of pounds, the same tiny rope could be tied to him. And I've even seen pictures of like a plastic chair, even though the elephant um, cannot be contained strength wise. The elephant's now captive in its mind and it stands there convinced day after day that he could not become free. And I want you from now on to think about that and focus on that picture when you feel that guilt come, think about that elephant just tied to a chair. That's what's happening. That's what's happening in your life. You know, can I encourage somebody out there? Where are the champions at? See, the devil is terrified that you will realize what's happening. You will break free and walk in the fullness of what God is calling you to. Just terrified. If you can get a hold of this, you will have such power to destroy his kingdom. There will be nothing, nothing that will be able to stop you when you realize the power that has been given to you and the power of the one that walks with you. But how do we break free from this inertia? It is written. This is the future being spoken about our present. They triumphed over him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So do not give up. Don't give up. Do not give up. You can't quit. You know, I'm speaking the truth. It is God's truth that will set you free. Remember the elephant. The enemy that is tied to you can scream and confuse and try and bring fear all he wants, but all you have to do is believe and move and take action against him 
and you'll realize he's nothing compared to the God that we serve. For we have all been set free from all captivity and bondage. You know, it wasn't uh, too long ago, it was last week, so I serve at, uh, at a youth group as well. And uh, I just had this come to me, a bit of this leadership uh, example and lesson. And so I had all the kids line up in front of me in a line. And uh, they were all facing me and it was hilarious. So I'm like, okay, everyone line up in a line. And of course, you have those two people like, why? Why are we doing this? I was like, just, just go in the line, okay? <laughs> just go in the line. And so they all line up. And I was like, okay, what is your opinion of what a leader is? And everyone's going and it's like, okay, a leader is this, a leader is that. And I said, okay, I'm going to count to three. And every single person who thinks that they are a leader, I want you to take a big step forward out of the line. If you don't think that you're a leader, hey, that's okay. There's no right or wrong answer. I just want you to step out of the line. If you don't think, rather just stay there. One, two, three, boom. Three or four people, they step forward. Okay, why do you think you're a leader? Why do you think you're a leader? And then I go to the back line. Why do you not think you're a leader? And I said, as a matter of fact, that is actually incorrect. The Bible identifies every single person here as leaders. I want that back line to take a step forward now. And so it's interesting. It's like I said, the only reason that the people who step forward first are probably going to go on to continue to accomplish these big things and feats is not because of the truth. It's not like they were born with something special, but you know what they have, especially some of them. And I already know this because I serve alongside them. They have the belief that they are the leaders. They have the belief that if they actually step up and out, that the Holy Spirit's going to meet them where they're at and their insecurities and everything, and is going to make up the lack and the difference. And I think it's the same thing when it comes to breaking out of this cycle of inertia. It is the belief. It is the stepping forward. And how do we believe? We believe by hearing, hearing the word of God, allowing that truth to just wash over all the lies, right? So let's go out there into whatever reading God has called us to believe it, like push back, break free and be the men and women that God knows that we are men and women of action. God bless my friends. Thank you.